That's a two-minute version of a week trip that our team uh, made to Chiapas a couple of weeks ago. And I'm, uh, I'm going to ask Osvaldo to uh, grab a mic and, and come join me here. Osvaldo prepared this video. Thank you, Osvaldo, for your work in preparing this video. You probably have seen Osvaldo singing up here. What, what you may not know about Osvaldo is he's a graduate from Rio Grande Bible College. And, uh, and uh, he has a call to ministry. And... Uh, and he lives in Reynosa. So uh, he comes every weekend to worship with us, to sing in our choir and minister in the Spanish service. And then he goes back and works uh, uh, on the other side. So if you didn't know that, we have people that come to our church that live in Reynosa. So Osvaldo, thank you for being here. I, I wanna ask you, um, how was this trip to Chiapas a unique experience for you? Thank you, Pastor. Good morning, church. Uh, first of all, I want to give thanks to the Lord for this wonderful opportunity to go there and uh, to enjoy with a wonderful uh, team from Calvary and from other parts of, of Mexico because we were uh, almost 60 uh, persons there working at the, at the same time. Wow. And it was also a challenge for, for our brothers and sisters there. And it was a unique experience for me because I had the opportunity to share the gospel with um, some kids in a community. But the thing is that upon arriving uh, in this community, um, they told us that we could not share them openly the gospel. Mm -hmm. And however, at night, we even had an outdoor praise time. Okay. And it, it felt like a symphony because Pastor Rolando was preaching in the other side and uh, up the temple, we were singing also to the Lord. Mm. And it felt like the, the persons came in that, in that night, uh, there were like 18 new people there. And um, we were talking about that. They, we felt that they came to, to the service like uh, trying to hide yeah. from the community there. And yeah. That, so it was like secret church in the night, yeah, right? Yeah, something like that. So, so uh, what, what was the most difficult challenge that, that you, you or the team faced during this trip? Well, apart from the fact that I almost got beaten by a scorpion. Okay. In the middle of the jungle, um, while I was preparing to travel, I think there was a, a bigger challenge for me. Uh, I knew I was in the state of greatest persecution in Mexico. So I, we tried to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit uh, by witnessing to the right people uh, mm. without getting in trouble. Mm. Because we've seen a person like asking to us, where are you going for or what are you gonna do? We, we were trying to, to share with the correct people. Right, okay, that, that's gotta be a challenge because you wanna share the gospel but you don't wanna burn bridges for the people that are gonna stay yeah. there and then they're not gonna have the opportunity to continue the ministry because because you did something you weren't supposed to do. And so that, that's, that's interesting. Now, why was it important for you to go to Chiapas? I mean, there are many opportunities to serve in Reynosa and here in McAllen. Why go all the way to Chiapas into the middle of the jungle and allow yourself to be at risk of being beaten by a scorpion? Uh, why would you do that? Yeah, I was, um, before to go to Chiapas, I was praying a lot for this state and um, there was a deep desire in my heart to go there and it was, uh, very, it was very important for me because my faith 
to follow their Lord was uh, strengthened mm -hmm. and by the testimony of uh, the brothers and sisters in Chiapas. Um, I sense that in the midst of the imminent persecution they have, uh, they were eager to know Lord, the Lord better and also to make him known mm. uh, among their community. Mm. And there were uh, um, uh, a time in, the, in Simo Jovel, this is a community where um, some students had to travel like four or six hours from their hometown to go and have the, the training, uh, four uh, fields training. Mm -hmm. And then um, um, brother Jose Luis finished at eight or nine, and they supposed to go back to the community at night. Mm. And Walking. most wonderful, it was, the, there were like two, two girls, two sisters that supposed to go back at night. Mm. Uh, for their community. And those kind of situations made my faith be stronger. Mm. Amen. Well, thank you, Father, for going with this team and thank for you, allowing Pastor. God to use you. Keep up the good work. Yes. And finally, if I, if I could summarize my experience in Chiapas in a fragment, it would be the radical faith of the church. Oh, amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank hey, you, church. Praise God. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Some people wonder why we bother to take the gospel to places far away. Why do we pray for five people for, for 30 days, five people who are far away from God? What's the difference that the gospel makes? Don't all religions lead to the same place? Mahatma Gandhi said that the various religions are like different roads converging at the same point. What difference does it make if you follow different routes provided we arrive at the same destination? Is that true? Do all religions lead to the same place? If it were true and Christianity is just one of those, or maybe if Christianity was just the best among many options, what difference does it make? What difference does it make to be a Christian? What's the difference between going to church and being a disciple of Christ? I would like for you to go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. That's our text for today. And it reads like this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. So what's the difference? The difference is that when someone is in Christ, he or she experiences a completely newness of life, a complete newness of life. If they're in Christ, it makes all the difference in the world. Let me break it down for us today. And I'm gonna mention three things that come out of this verse. The first one is that the difference is a new center, a new center in Christ. It's, it, notice that this newness is conditional. The experience of a new reality depends of something. It's not automatic. It's not a blanket thing for everybody. It's not by osmosis. It's not, it's not by proxy that it happens. The condition, if anyone is in Christ, what makes the difference is being in Christ. That's the question you need to ask yourself today. Not am I religious, not am I a churchgoer, not am I Baptist or Catholic or Methodist or Presbyterian. The question you need to ask yourself is, am I in Christ? 
because that's what the scripture is calling the condition. Newness of life flows from that new center. It is a vivid way of expressing the kind of definite and clear repositioning of someone's life. People use different ways to talk about their faith. People say, I'm religious. I'm very religious. But the Bible here doesn't say, if anyone is religious, he has a new life. People say, well, I'm a believer. And, uh, and being a believer is a great thing. It requires faith to, to come to Jesus. But sometimes people think that believing is just something that happens in the mind, that it, that it doesn't affect uh, anything else. And so you can believe a creed or you can believe a set of, of beliefs, but, but if it doesn't change your life, you're not in Christ. Some people say, I'm saved, and, and, and that's a legitimate way to talk about our relationship with Christ because when we have come to the place that we believe that Jesus died for our sins, he rose from the dead, he saves us from damnation, he saves us from an eternity lost without him, that's good, but sometimes we misunderstand being saved as, as something that happened in the past only. It's some kind of transaction in the past that only has an effect in the future, but what about in the in-between? Being in Christ is not just something in the past, it's not just something in the future, but it's also something in the present. Sometimes people talk about, I have Jesus in my heart, and, 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 and that's good because it talks about the personal nature of faith. But having Jesus in my heart, sometimes it concerns me because it, it sort of gives me a picture like I'm the big guy and Jesus is this little thing that comes in my heart. It's like a pocket God. It's like some kind of a good luck charm that is there in case of an emergency. But the Bible doesn't say here, if you have Jesus in your heart, the Bible says if you're in Christ, if your life is in his life, he's the big, the bigger than life Lord of all. And it is when you get in his life that it makes the difference. Are you in Christ today? That's the condition. You don't get to be in Christ by simply going to church any more than you become a car when you get in the garage. You don't get to be in Christ by chance or because you were born to a Christian family. It is a definite decision in your life. I love to hear the testimony of people in our church. There, there's one of the men that, that I talk to often. He's told me his testimony. He grew up uh, not knowing about God and, and he developed an addiction to drugs, among them cocaine. And as a young man, he was using cocaine almost every day. And people started talking to him about the gospel, about Jesus. And, and one day, uh, as he was getting ready to barbecue, he, he lit up the, the, the charcoal so, so that he could make barbecue. And as the fire was burning, somehow God put into him a holy fear. And he started thinking about spending an eternity away from God. And that very same night, he got on his knees and he asked Jesus to be his Savior and Lord. And immediately he took the cocaine and he flushed it down the toilet. And it's been several decades since that day. And he says, and I haven't touched it again for one minute. Now he's a husband and a dad. He's an educator in our public school system. He helps kids who are struggling with problems. And he's a disciple maker because he made a definite decision that day. The, new, the, the second thing that we find here in the scriptures is that there is a new creation. What makes a difference is a new creation, is a change of nature. That if you're in Christ, you're part of a new creation. It's a miraculous event. Something happens when, when we are united with Christ that causes something new to be born in us. God made humanity in the beginning. 
God made man and woman in such a way that they could relate to him, in, in such a way that they could produce goodness and they could live lives up to his design. But Adam and Eve decided to disobey God. And the day that they decided to do that, something really, something really tumultuous and catastrophic happened. Evil entered their hearts and the, the sin birthed in them a sinful nature, something they didn't have before. The sinful nature only produces sin and that sinful nature was inherited by their children and their children's children and you and I are children of Adam and Eve and we have a sinful nature that produces sin. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and have come short of the glory of God. All of us here are sinners and because we're sinners we cannot produce holiness. We cannot reach the standard that God desires for us. We come short of it. We, we can try hard, but, but we will come short of it because our sinful nature can only produce sin. You cannot draw fresh water from the ocean. If you go to, if you go to South Padre and you try to get water from, from the bay, it'll be salty water. And you can do it 10 times, 100 times. You can pray over it. You can do little tricks over it. It's always gonna be salt water. If you want fresh water, you need to go to a different source. You cannot draw holiness out of a sinful nature. You cannot produce true goodness from a fallen personhood. You cannot go to your orange tree and make it produce apples. Not even if you talk to it all day long. Not even if you beg, please give me an apple. You can show your orange tree pictures of apples and say, look, this is what I want you to produce. And it won't be able to do it. You can, you can surround the, the orange tree with apple trees and say, look, you have good examples in your life. You have a good influence around you. All of them produce apples. Why don't you produce an apple? And the orange tree will never be able to produce an apple as long as, it, as it's an orange tree. You cannot force your sinful nature to produce good works. You cannot train your old self to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is incapable of doing so. And as long as we're calling things what they are, let me just make sure that we also agree on this. There is no such thing as, as portobello mushroom fajitas. Fajitas come from a cow. Mushrooms can never be a cow. You can't have shrimp fajitas. Fajitas are beef skirts. Shrimp don't have skirts. Call it grilled shrimp. Call it grilled mushroom, but don't call them fajitas. Call it what it is. We don't need to call our sinful nature good. We don't need to try and force something that cannot change to change. We don't need to turn over a new leaf. We don't need to try harder. What we need is a new creation. We need God to create something completely different and new inside of us that is capable of doing good. We need God to birth in us a new nature. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. If any woman is in Christ, she is a new creature. So what's the difference? The difference is that when you're in Christ, you and I can have the ability to live the life that God calls us to live. God doesn't call you to try harder. God doesn't call you to try and be good. God calls you so that he can make a new person in you. He doesn't recycle you. He doesn't reform you, he doesn't retrofit you, he makes you new. Away from Christ, you cannot produce holiness. Away from God, you cannot produce godliness. 
But when you are grafted in the vine, you will produce grapes. When you're, when you're united to the tree of life, life will flow out of you. Living a holy life, it's not extraordinary. If you're in Christ, living a holy life is the normal thing. Producing spiritual fruit, it's not exceptional. It's natural. The miracle is not the fruit that you produce. The miracle is that God has made you a new person. That's the miracle. That's the extraordinary. That's the glorious. One of, of the men in our church uh, told me his testimony about growing up and, and his mom didn't believe in, in, in Christ and his dad divorced multiple times and remarried multiple times and he grew up not knowing about Christ, not knowing uh, what to believe and one day, and living in college, living the life, one day he was invited to a Bible study and when he went to the Bible study, he understood what Christ did for him and he decided that he wanted to follow Jesus and his life changed immediately and today, you don't have to tell him that he should read his Bible. You don't have to tell him to pray. You don't have to tell him to, uh, to share his faith. He's a successful businessman, and he naturally does those things. He, his MO is Jesus, because he changed his life. The third thing that we see in the scriptures here is that the difference is a new consequence. There are contrasting results here. The new creation tells us uh, makes the old to be gone and the new to arrive. That's the contrast. What's the difference? The difference is that a new nature opens up the way for a new way of living. The old is gone because Christ has taken care of it on the cross. When you're in Christ, every sin that you ever committed, every offense, every failure is taken care of at the cross. He paid for it. He forgives it. It is erased forever. It is deleted from the hard drive, it is deleted from the cloud, and it is deleted from every backup that there ever existed. It is gone. He took care of it. it, it you never have to deal with it again. Your sin account has been erased. The old is gone because you don't have to carry the guilt of the old sin. You don't have to bury uh, and bear the shame of your old sin. You don't have to endure the pain that sin has caused you. If you're in Christ, you're forgiven, you're cleansed, you're freed, you're healed, you're redeemed. It's taken care of. Jesus said at the cross, it is finished. Account closed, it's a new day. It's a new beginning. The old is gone. The old is gone meaning, means that your healing has begun. If the past was hurtful to you, if sin caused wounds in your soul, then know that Jesus has taken your hurt on himself, that he's carried your wounds on himself and you don't have to live in the past anymore. The reason that Jesus takes all your past, your sin, your failures, your shame, your guilt, your insecurities is so that you can have a brand new beginning so that you don't have to go through the mess and live in the muck of the past. Christ wipes the slate clean. You can start over. You can drop all of your burdens at the cross. The fact that Jesus took care of your past at the cross doesn't mean that your healing is instant. Sometimes healing takes time. I remember three years ago, 
during spring break, my wife and our family was about to go on spring break vacation and we got a phone call from my wife's father, my father-in-law. He was in a critical situation physically, 84 years old at that time. And they said he needs to be taken to the hospital and needs to have open heart surgery immediately or he wa- he's not gonna live much longer. We already had our, our luggage ready for vacation. So instead of going on vacation, we went to Fort Worth and we were there with my father-in-law and, and my mother-in-law as he went into surgery. And it was touch and go. There were some moments that we weren't quite sure after the surgery if he was gonna make it or not. 84 year old, through open heart surgery was a difficult thing and every day he made a little progress. Every day he, he, began, he, he was in rehab and, and he began to do little things, little by little. It's three years later and, and now he lives a pretty normal life. He does his Whataburger run every day. And he brags to me that he gets free coffee while I had to pay two bucks to Starbucks for it. And, and uh, he gets to do the things that he likes to do. He's 87 years old and he is well today. But you know what? His healing began the day he had surgery. It didn't feel like it. There were some days that there were doubts and questions, but the healing had begun. The restoration of his heart and, and, and all of the uh, veins and arteries that, that flow that blood of life in his life were being restored. And, and it's just a matter of time for the manifestation of the healing to show up. You may still be feeling hurt. You may be struggling with spiritual wounds in your life, with emotional wounds in your life, but let me tell you, your healing has already begun. It began at the cross. It began the day that you trusted Jesus. He did open heart surgery in your life and he restored what needed to be restored. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of waiting on him. Not only does Christ take care of the old he also makes possible our new. When we enter in union with Christ, he regenerates. He gives us a new birth. When a caterpillar enters the cocoon, something extraordinary happens. Something marvelous happens, you know, right? It goes in the cocoon as a caterpillar. And then something begins to happen that is radical. It transforms him completely. He even grows wings. And when he comes out of the cocoon, he's not a caterpillar anymore. He could never be a caterpillar anymore, not even if it wanted to. It's a butterfly. It's a complete transformation. When he was a caterpillar, he couldn't fly. He, he knew life just on the ground. But, but now that he's a butterfly, he, he sees life from above. When you're in Christ, when you have entered the person and the work and the life of Jesus, you undergo an incredible transformation. Once you've been united with Christ, you can live life at a new level, at a level that you never knew before. Pastor Bob Roberts tweeted this week something that I thought was really on point. He said, self-actualization in the gospel doesn't make your dreams come true, but takes you straight to a cross and then a resurrection to make your life a place God's glory is displayed, not yours. That's the transformation. The new has come means that, that you have new thoughts, that you have new motives, that you have new desires, that you have a new pattern of behavior, a new life. 
It's not that you have to try hard to be good. You're good because God made you good. God made a transformation happen in you that produces good. Does that mean that if you're in Christ that you never sin again? Of course not. Does that mean that if you're in Christ, you don't struggle with temptation? No, I struggle with temptation every day. What it does mean is that you don't have to live the old way anymore. You see, before you were in Christ, and the only thing that was in control of your life was your sinful nature, then the only thing that you could produce was sinful. And you could produce some good temporarily, but there was always mixed feelings there. You could, you could make it look good to others, but, but only God knew the condition of your heart. When you, when you only had the sinful nature, you didn't have a choice, but, but now that you're in Christ, you have a choice. Now that you're in Christ, you have new power. You have new possibilities. So if you're still living in the old life, that's your fault. That's your choice. That's your rebellion. You know, sometimes we get angry at unbelievers. We get angry at non-Christians because of the way they behave, because of the things they do. Don't get angry at them. They can't help it. They don't have a choice. They're slaves to the sinful nature. Get angry at the Christian who doesn't live in a new way because he has a choice. He has the power. He has the possibility. God has created in him a new person. So what's the difference? The difference is that where a person is in Christ, we function at a different plane. Our union in Christ results in a new creation and the new creation brings about a new way of living. And all of it, all of it is by grace. It is the gift of God. And you enter by faith, you, you enter believing that, that you're a sinner, that you cannot save yourself, that you cannot produce the godliness that God wants of your life, but that, that, that if you receive the goodness of Christ, if you receive his holiness, if you receive his work on the cross, if you receive his forgiveness, if you receive his power from the resurrection, then you can become a new creature. It's by faith. It is a faith that believes with the head and the heart. It is a faith that surrenders to him. Pastor Paul David Tripp tweeted this week, believe doesn't redefine, believe that doesn't redefine your identity, give new focus to your purpose and reshape your living it's not believe after all. Saving faith transforms you. Pastor Chad is in Panama this weekend. He's meeting there with 58 leaders from across Latin America and they're talking about multiplication movements that are taking place, incredible things that they're talking about. But they're just not talking about what God is doing. They went out into the community where they are there in Panama City and they began to talk to people about Jesus. And that afternoon, Friday afternoon, he texted us and he said, guess what? We just went out to share about Jesus and 15 people have decided to follow Jesus. And he says, you know what else? They're getting baptized right now. An entire family of seven decided to follow Jesus and they were baptized on Friday night because that's the difference that it makes. That's the kind of belief that it takes. It is a belief that says, I'm all in. I'm not just going to be a churchgoer. I'm not just going to be a religious person. I'm not just going to claim my denomination or my religious heritage that my parents gave me. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to get in Christ. I'm going to put my life in him. I wonder if that's what you need to do today. I wonder if that's the decision that God is calling you to make today. You've been going to church for a long time. 
You've believed in God. You've been somewhat religious. You've tried to be good, but you're not in Christ. And today, you understand. Today, the Holy Spirit has spoken to your heart, and you're saying, I want to be in Christ. And right there where you are, right there where you are, you can make, you can lift a prayer and say, Lord, I receive it. I receive this gift. If it's a gift, I receive it. I open my heart. I'm going to quit trying to be religious. I'm going to quit trying to be good on my own. I admit that I'm a sinner. And I give you my sin. And I exchange it for your holiness. Make me a new person. Take the old away. And make it all new right now. You pray that prayer right now, God will hear that prayer. He's been waiting for you to pray that prayer so he can do a miracle in your life. Will you pray it right now where you are? Maybe you're sitting there and you say, I'm already in Christ. I've already prayed that prayer and I know I've experienced a miracle. But, but what I need to be reminded of today is to live in newness of life. Sometimes I've gotten back in the, in the old patterns. And I need God to remind me, I don't need to be a caterpillar. I need to be a new person. I need to be a new creation. And he needs to continue his transformation in me. You know what? I'm a work in progress. I know you know that. You see that. But I have a promise. It comes from Philippians 1.6. It says, I'm confident that he who began a good work in me will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if you see things in me that, that you say, oh man, he doesn't have it all together, I will agree with you, I don't have it all together. I'm under construction, pardoned a mess. But this construction is gonna get completed and it's gonna be beautiful. Not because I'm making it, but because Christ has promised to do it in me. And maybe that's where you are, believer, Christian, follower of Jesus, you need to say, Keep working on me. Keep changing me from the inside out. Keep making me this new creature that you promised to do. Maybe your commitment today needs to be to follow the Lord and believers baptism. You've put your faith in him, but now it's time to say, I'm gonna make my faith public. I'm gonna go through the baptismal waters and tell everybody I'm serious about being in Christ and I'm gonna get baptized. We, we have baptisms next Sunday. You can be a part of that. Maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but you've never joined Calvary. And you say, I want to be part of this church. I want this to be my, my church family. I, I've been coming, I've been sitting here, but I've never taken a step to say, I'm committed. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've been baptized as a believer, but I need to be committed to this fellowship. And maybe that's your commitment. I don't know what it is. Whatever the Holy Spirit is calling you to do, do it right there in your heart. Father, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for your spirit. And we thank you that we can respond in faith to your call in our lives. I pray that you would do that today. If you prayed a prayer to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior to receive his free gift, I want to invite you to make that commitment public. I'm going to be up here and we're gonna stand as a congregation, we're gonna sing. And I wanna pray with you. I wanna encourage you. If you make it another decision, if you need prayer, if you have a question, 
I'm gonna be up here. There may be others who are willing to pray with you as you come, but you come. Let's stand together. As we sing, you respond to God's voice.